Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for our latest episode of Ohio DD Talks. I'm your host, Nathan Turner, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Barbara Thomas. We're going to have a fascinating discussion about people with disabilities and healthy relationships. Hi, Barb. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good to see you. Thank you. Can we get started by uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and why you decided to work with people with disabilities and have a healthy relationships? Sure. So um, actually, it happened in a class I was taking in college, and I was taking a special ed class. And just because I was interested and met a young man, that kind of turned me on to the whole thing. And um, after a couple of years of school, I worked at home in Cleveland at a place called Our Lady of the Wayside and really enjoyed every second of it. And the people there encouraged me to go back to school. So I did. And I ended up getting my undergraduate and master's degree in special ed and um, just kind of loved doing that, was in a classroom for 18 years. And then um, during that time, I had been asked to work with my students on the area, in the area of healthy re relationships. And that just got me all excited about the whole idea of sexuality education and understanding who you are as a person and um, being treated with respect and things like that. So I ended up um, getting my certification as a certified sexuality educator through an organization called ASECT. It's the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors and Therapists. So I'm certified through them as an educator and as an educator supervisor. And as I continued my work, I realized that um, a lot of the folks that I was working with were having some issues with uh, legal issues. And um, long story short, I ended up going to the University of Louisville and received my uh, juvenile sex offender counselor certification as well. So that's my educational background. I ended up opening up my own practice, working with people with disabilities. I also now have um, a adult day education program called the Tall Institute, Thomas Adventures in Lifelong Learning. And the whole goal of what I do and what my other programs doing is to help people be happy, healthy, and safe and to have hopefully really good, wonderful relationships. And that's it. <laughs> And I, that's kind I of where I came pursued, from. I know you've that's great, and I know you've pursued some of this work directly with DD Council. Can you talk about a little bit about your grant work and how that's led you to where you are today with your practice? Sure. Well, um, I was on Partners in Justice. Um, I'm still on it, though we haven't met for a while because of COVID. But um, we had this um, idea for a project, uh, and. Uh, ended up being called health safety and sexuality training for you and me. And I had a group of individuals that I worked with and trained to go around the state of Ohio. There was also another group that was doing the same thing as I was. And basically it was a three pronged uh, program. We were, uh, the, the idea was to increase awareness and recognition of 
healthy sexuality and what abuse was and how to protect yourself, um, to also provide information on how to report those crimes um, committed against individuals, and then to develop personal safety plans for, for folks. So it was a really lovely program that um, we stopped doing. I would love to actually do it again at some point, um, but it was a really wonderful way to get folks involved in the discussion about how to be safe and how to have healthy relationships and how to report and what is sexual abuse, things like that. So yeah, it was a, it was a really, really wonderful grant that uh, DD Council sponsored for a couple of years. And um, to be honest, I just got too busy and couldn't do it anymore. Um, but I'm at a point where I would love to be able to revisit that. Yeah, it really does sound like a fascinating initiative. And I know for people with disabilities, I, I think sexuality and you know sexual expression and healthy relationships are always tricky topics. So to have a, a type of an initiative like yours, I think is a really great thing. And I, and I think this is a great segue to my next question. Um, and obviously being in February, everyone is a lot of people think about relationships. And I, and I wonder, can you talk a bit more about your specific, your private practice and how you work on building healthy relationships and how people with disabilities can be safe in a relationship? Sure, so um, I guess probably the, the way to start is to say that when I'm working with individual clients and with groups, it's really, um, the most beneficial to find out what people actually really know about sexuality, about the word sex, about the word sexuality, about the word relationship, um, understanding who your friends are, what makes an acquaintance, who's the stranger, things like that. Those are things that seem to, for some reason, get bypassed in the education department uh, when kids are growing up. And for typical people, it becomes a natural thing that they understand what it means to have a relationship. In fact, for many of our uh, young people and, and those that are aging as well, they still have confusion when they have people that are helping them getting dressed or being the person that is their partner to go to a movie or to go out to eat or whatever. Um, I may as well throw this in here now, though I absolutely 100% believe that individuals with disabilities should have as many opportunities as a typical person. It has been my experience, and I've been doing this for almost 50 years. It's been my experience that people with disabilities, in fact, like to be around people like themselves. And so though I know the pushes to get out in the community and be around everybody else and you know your, your best friends could be living right next door to you, in fact, it doesn't seem to happen that way. It, it just doesn't. People like to be around people like themselves. And so um, my program that I have called TALL, um, it's an opportunity for people to be together that happen to have disabilities, but um, I've got a band, I've got a women's class, I've got all sorts of 
um, different kinds of programs that people can take, different classes. And there were people like themselves that might have a little bit of an issue being understood, or maybe they have some um, physical challenges. Maybe they don't quite get things as quickly as others, but people are pretty patient with each other. And so, um, you know, I, I really feel strongly that um, being able to have opportunities to socialize with other people in a healthy environment, sometimes that has to be, um, oh, you know, overseen by people it is a good thing. And um, so I, I wanted to say that I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what else about that. But I did want to make sure that that point was made, that I don't see anything wrong with people with disabilities hanging out with other people with disabilities. And what I'm hearing is that people with disabilities are in fact people just like everyone else. Yeah. And we talk about opposites attracting, but in reality, maybe the opposite is true. People with things in common are yes. more likely to be together. And the lived experience of disability, uh, I, I think, profoundly impacts the relationship. Right. And I and I think one of the things that's happened in my, pra my practice has um, I will say just boomed over the last two years because so many people are having such a difficult time because they're lonely. They're, they're making bad choices. They are, you know, reaching for something to help them um, feel good about themselves, to make them feel content, to make themselves feel happy. And a lot of times people don't have the education that they need to understand you know, no, that's not something you should do. That's a stranger. <laughs> that's not a good and healthy thing to be doing on that um, online app or whatever. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with education. And um, it's unfortunate because I wish it was starting when kids were younger. I really do. I mean, I see a lot of teenagers and adults, uh, but I really wish some of this education was starting much, much younger. I definitely agree with you on the education standpoint, and you, and you talk about a lot of the dating apps, and it's a good segue into my next question. What does a healthy relationship mean for people with disabilities, especially during the global pandemic, and are there, are there uh, strategies or ways to be safe? Has that changed at all during the pandemic? Has relationship safety changed during the pandemic at all? Well, I don't honestly think it's much different than a typical person. I think having opportunities to socialize, I think understanding how to use a cell phone. Uh, there is, as I'm sure you're aware, um, there is so much scary stuff on the internet. And to be honest, um, I have two interns right now and thank God I do because they are really so much better than I am on working uh, with cell phones and all the different apps and things like that. But I had a, just as an example, I had a young man, 20, uh, 26 years old, 24 years old, came into my office this morning and he said, you know, Barb, I think I got to show you this. I'm not sure. And he is showing me on his phone, uh, someone that he had looked up um, he was interested in looking at some sexual things, found this woman and there was about 10% sexual and the rest of the texts were all about how she wanted him to send her money. 
And how can I, how can I get your, your bank card and your number? And, oh, come on, honey, I can help you do this. And if you do this, I will do that. And he knew something wasn't right. Uh, thank God he shared it with me because he did not share it with his provider that he lives with. And so we were able to, you know, delete that from him. But that is a huge huge, huge issue right now with people being taken advantage of. And honestly, I think it's because they're not getting enough education. They're not being told when they get a cell phone that, okay, this is how it's going to work. And these are things that you need to be conscious of. Uh, people have rights, absolutely. And I agree with that. But I don't think, um, to me, it's like giving a child matches. You, you don't do that without all of the warnings that go along with it. And people don't seem to understand that with phones or with computers. And a huge percentage of my work right now is working with young adults uh, and teenagers and a little bit older, some of the older ones, not as, not as much um, on how to be safe on the internet. So that's a, that's a huge problem right now and something that we need to be educating. And, and I, I believe that it needs to start with um, uh, the people that are actually working with these individuals. So um, not only teachers, but care providers, parents, um, all of they, they just have to be more aware of it. Yes, I, I definitely think there's room for education with providers as well, because I think a lot of a lot of situations where a person with a disability might be engaging romantically and working with providers can lead to some awkward situations. So being able to dialogue in a safe space about boundaries and concerns, I think is great for everyone involved. Do you have any uh, specific suggestions maybe to make those types of conversations go better? Well, I mean, I think, again, talking about abuse, uh, being very upfront about what abuse means and how you, um, you know, explain different kinds of abuse. I think being able to to identify who's a friend and who's not a friend. I mean, I'm I'm kind of thinking of my outline that I work on with people and just going down the line and and I think um, you know, it goes back really to helping people identify what do they like about themselves. And what do they not like about themselves? I don't think people are given that opportunity to say things like that, because I think if you can say, you know, one of the things I don't like about myself is that I don't have very many friends, or one of the things I really like about myself is that I think I'm funny. And a lot of times our folks are not asked those questions, and so they're not able to really express themselves um, and let people know really who they are and what their likes are and what their dislikes are and um, I think, unfortunately, you know, I think families are guilty of it, um, oftentimes because they're worrying about so many other things, you know, whether they're going to do well in school or whether they're going to have a friend or something like that. But I think it has to start with education of the individual so that the individual can really feel confident that they understand who they are and what they like and what they want to be around and who they want to be around and Oftentimes those questions aren't aren't asked or talked about. Yes, I definitely agree that knowing oneself and learning about oneself is critical to having a successful relationship. What are some other good sides of a strong, healthy relationship, whether it's with somebody's family, 
friends or romantic partner or provider or an employer? Well, I mean, I don't think it's any different than a typical person. I think, do you feel good when you're around this person? Does this person make you feel, um, you know, proud of yourself or, or does the person put you down? Um, you know, a healthy relationship is when you can cry in front of someone and not worry that the person's going to call you a big baby or that um, you can, you know, lose your temper and still have the people that are around you accept you because we're all human and we're all going to do those things. So I, you know, it's really not any different than typical people. And I, I think sometimes, um, unfortunately, I think parents and sometimes teachers um, put our children and our young adults and adults up on pedestals. They, they expect that things are going to happen, you know, they, they kind of, um, they make them the queen of the house or the king of the house or whatever. And it doesn't work very well when you then leave the house and have to be a roommate to somebody. And so um, I think, you know, being realistic with people and letting them know if they're hurting your feelings or letting them know if they stink, you know, whoa, what are you doing here? You need to go get your shower. What's going on here? And, and yet so often people don't say those things to people. They're afraid they're going to hurt their feelings. And it's like, well, yeah, but okay, you might hurt their feelings, but that might help them to make a friend or to, or to be able to do something, you know, be more socially active or, or whatever. Well, we're getting near the end of our time together and time has flowed so quickly, but is there anything else you want to say to wrap our show up? Um, well, I mean, I guess, um, as a, as a special ed teacher, as a human sexuality educator, um, I believe in teaching and, and I think teaching can come in so many different forms. And I think it doesn't always have to be in a classroom. I think it can be no matter where you are, it can be in your home. It can be when you're hanging with your friends, it can be, um, you know, really anywhere. And I, I think if more people would be willing to be teachers to people with special needs, to, to be honest with them, to tell them when things that they're saying are bothering them or how they're acting is bothering them or, or that they like what they're doing. And I think a lot of times you don't get the affirmation that they need at the appropriate at the appropriate time. So I guess I wish, if anything, that more people would take on that role of being educators and and help people and know that people with special needs often do need a little more education. Uh, maybe it would take a little bit more time to educate them on a specific thing, whether it's about a relationship or how they look or whatever. But you're worth it, and so we just need to you know, um, give it our best. And it's the opportunity to learn from our life experience that a lot of yeah, people with disabilities don't. Exactly, exactly. And, and to be given the opportunity for more opportunities from, yes. you know, rather than always doing the same thing all the time, you know, getting out and being out in the community and um, having opportunities to entertain. Uh, one of my one of my pet peeves, I'll just say this real quick, but one of my pet peeves is when I hear all the time that 
um, folks are going to their family's home for Christmas or for Thanksgiving or whatever. And I always say to them, well, what are you bringing? Well, I, I'm not bringing anything. I was, well, what do you mean you're not bringing anything? Make those muffins that you made for class or, or, what, or bring a plant or bring a flower or something. Everybody walks into the house with something for Thanksgiving or Christmas, except the person with the disability. And it's like, well, no, they shouldn't be excluded like that. And it happens a lot. And I think treating people with challenges like everybody else is probably the best way to go. I at least assigned myself to drink duty, so I, but I can understand and relate <laughs> to that experience. <laughs> Thank you so much, Barb, for joining us today for this fascinating discussion on healthy relationships. And I want to thank you all for joining us too. Please remember to share your stories with us. Reach out to us on social media. Tell us about your experiences and topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Thank you, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you next time.